Let me ask you, are you someone with hair? Well, if you answered yes to that question, do I have the product for you? Visit ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off because the goal with Modern Mammals is to try and keep your hair and head natural. Since I've been using it, that's exactly what I've experienced. I very much prefer it. I don't know if I'm ever going to switch back. Probably not, to tell you the truth. And this means that it doesn't distort your pH balance and natural oils like shampoo would. Unlike shampoo, the products don't have a harsh detergent that suds up and dries out your head and hair. It's just lighter than traditional shampoo. And unlike conditioners, it doesn't leave hair limp and frizzy. Like, you don't want that Seinfeld in the shower like Rory McIlroy had it once too, where it's just like a, a mop on your head. You don't want that. And if you use modern mammals, that's not going to happen. It's designed to make your hair feel thicker. And my hair at the moment feels so thick, you can't even pull it out. Plus, the products are easy to rinse out, so there's no leftover residue to weigh hair down. So, Go to ModernMammals.com and use code MAYO for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code MAYO. Don't forget to use my promo code MAYO so they know I sent you. More details in the description. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, British Open, DraftKings picks, and preview the final golf millionaire maker of the 2019 DraftKings season, at least. So let's hope let's hope that this one goes a little bit better than the first three. That's all I'm saying out there. If you want to get into a draw for some DK bucks, whether it be 250 DK dollars, 100 DK dollars, 50 or 20, there's multiple draws to go around. And here are the ways that you get in. Smash that like button. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me your two favorite plays from below. $7,000 at Royal Portrush for this week in the DraftKings system. The second way you can do so, you can leave an iTunes review, a Stitcher review, a Spotify review. It doesn't matter where it is. The audio podcast. Leave a five-star review, subscribe to the show, download the show, and then leave your DraftKings handle. Something nice about the show. That's the second way. The third way, follow me on Instagram at the PME like, or heart, as they would say on the Instagrams. One of the golf videos or photos that goes up there. Just leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section after you follow me. It's that easy. At the PME on Instagram. Additionally, I am giving away a free annual membership to FantasyNational.com. All the stats that you see in the show generated by FantasyNational.com. You're looking for ownership projections? That's on FantasyNational.com. The most comprehensive and customizable stat page stat base on the planet is provided by fantasynational.com so what you need to do is when you see one of these shows you share it around you give it a retweet not a quote tweet you'll be disqualified a quote tweet you share it on facebook whatever social media platform you have share around all the pat mayo experience british open shows then just reply to me with your DraftKings handle uh, and if you win i will contact you there is a hitch though you already need to be an existing member now if you're not already it doesn't mean you can't become one right now so go to fantasynational.com become a weekly yearly or monthly member and then you can just take advantage of trying to get from open to open of well, next year's open really on this free annual membership so go do that right now fantasynational.com check it out the cheat sheet for the show will be up on dkplaybook.com all the podcasts and videos from you know the jeff show with the picks the show with justin ray breaking down the course that's all available on demand right now i suggest you go check those out all right, enough of that. Let's bring in the guest. Rick Gaiman is on his honeymoon, so he's beating it. He's out. Well, he's probably not beating it because he's on his honeymoon, but you know you know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, Jazz Raz is here. Ben Raza from Awesomeo.com. You ready to do this? You ready to finally win some bucks here in a major? I'm ready. It's been three uh, rocky ones. We've got one more bullet here. This is the one, so I'm ready to go. All right, and now new to the program. Joining us from the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast from GupsCorner.com. Oh, and if you want 15% off a monthly or yearly to GupsCorner.com, just use the promo code MAYO. Get yourself 15% off. I highly recommend everyone go do that. Great stuff over at GupsCorner.com. A guy from my neck of the woods in the world, Tyler Tambellini at Toteg and Tambo. What's going on? What's happening, Pat? I appreciate you having me on, man. It's been a long time coming. I'm excited to be here. It's the last major of the year, and we got to make some money. Mail bump time. Yeah, I mean, have you had any successful majors so far? Because I can assure you, I have not. 
I had uh, 14th in the Millie Maker at the Masters, and that was all down to hole 12 when Poulter, Molinari, and Brooks all went into the water in my lineup. So looking to make up for that one here, hoping that Brooks and Tiger don't crush me again. So you've had success at the Masters. Ben, you won the Thunderdome at the Masters two years ago. Have you had a lot of open success? Because I think the best year that I had for the British Open, at least as it pertains to DraftKings, was the year that it became Stenson and Phil. Not that I had Stenson and Phil. I actually had 0% Stenson and Phil. But I think I had, like, the rest of the top 10, meaning I couldn't win any of the big prizes. But I actually did quite well that year. I've been awful at the Open. Just awful. My one saving grace, so usually Saratoga, the track opens the week of the British Open, but they moved it up a week. So now I'm at home. I'm hoping that changes the uh, the juju because I have not had any success at this tournament in, in a couple of years. Well, I'm going to really amend my strategy uh, this time around. And we'll discuss that as we get through the show and go through the pricing. But I've been really big on is like, I really like this guy, but he's going to be too popular. I'm saying fuck that this time around. I'm just playing the guys that I want to play, and hopefully that actually works out for once. And we'll get to, when we get to the above $10,000 guys, the one guy that I'm probably just going to you know hit the lock button on and see how that turns out, because it seems to work for everyone else. Although when I do it, it generally doesn't turn out all that well. But I do want to talk about the weather and skill sets to begin with. I've been using the Portrush Wind Tower on windfinder.com. You can find that in my column up on dkplaybook.com right now. It live updates like every 20 minutes or so. Uh, and the weather just keeps flipping. Like yesterday, it looked like Friday was going to be an awful, just a disaster in the afternoon. Now I'm looking at it Thursday. You know, nothing is going to get above 14 miles per hour. On Friday, there's like nothing above 10 miles per hour. I'm sure when I look back at this, you know, Five hours from now, it's going to be just an absolute disaster because the weekend looks like an absolute disaster from a rain and wind perspective at Portrush right now. Ben, how are you treating the weather? Do you just wait till the very last second and just pray it holds up? I mean, at some point, you're going to have to make some decisions. Uh, I'm going to wait as long as I can, but you know, this is something obviously we're going to get into it. They don't they don't have split tees, so it's a long day. Guys are teeing off at different windows it's going to change once it locks. So you really can't prepare for that. You got to just kind of maybe make some tea time stacks and and do the best you can with it. Uh, Tyler, what are you seeing, at least from a strategy perspective and how you construct your lineups? In my column, I wrote about even micro tea stacking because like Ben mentioned, guys aren't going off on one and 10 to speed things up. Everyone's just going to start on one and then the entire day progresses. So you could almost take these two hour chunks because we know the wind and rain can kind of come out of nowhere at this tournament that if you just segregate, you know, from tea time one to tea time 10, tea time 10 to tea time 20, tea time 20 to tea time 30, tea time 30 to tea time 40, that kind of thing, and just play two-hour windows that maybe you can get super lucky with the weather, or am I just completely overthinking this? No, no, you nailed it bang on. That's uh, that's what my strategy is. Ben just talked about it. You hit the nail on the head, but... It uh, depends on how many lineups you have. I think if you've got at least 20 plus, you got to be stacking it one way or the other. And it's not just to get lucky, I guess. You still got to pick your best plays or the guys you've str- got the strongest takes on in those ranges. But like you said, the weather can change on a dime. So even though we're waiting till the last minute to make our lineups here, it can still swap on us. So you want to make sure you're splitting it up equally. And for me, 150 lineups in the Millie Maker, it's going to look something like uh, maybe 25 this way, 25 that way, or maybe a little bit more, and then split the rest out and just mix them up and see how it goes from there. Yeah, Ben, what are you doing for the Millionaire Maker? How many lineups are you going to play? I'm going to put 20 in so I don't have the ability to dedicate so many lineups to overall T-stacking. I might end up having to play like three one way, three morning, three late afternoon, and then like three in the middle and then let it roll with the rest. Yeah, I'll probably make maybe like 50, nothing too crazy. I'm certainly not going to build 150 for this. Uh, And and I I think it's just percentage based, no matter how many you make, you know, you take X amount in the morning, X amount in the afternoon, some mixed, uh, because you want to do the best you can to cover those bases, because as we've all just said, the wind can flip on a dime. Um, And if you're not prepared for that, you're just going to be playing at a huge disadvantage. All right, let's get into it. The players above $10,000, the favorites on DraftKings, the players you're going to be spending up for. At the very top, the the local boy is there, the guy who hasn't finished outside of the top five in an open in like five years. Rory McIlroy, 10, or sorry, 11-6. Brooks is 11-4. Then it's DJ at 10-9, Rom at 10-6, and Tiger at 10-2. Tower, I'm looking at this. I'm trying to figure out, uh, ratings-wise, per the stats, um, Rory rates out by far the best, uh, and 
Andrew Cuss actually said on Monday show that Rory has no chance of winning. So that also works to his favor. But I'm just thinking about hitting the lock button on Brooks here for any lineup that I want to play like Stars and Scrubsy. And if I'm not going to do that, I'll probably just drop and play a balanced lineup. What are you thinking? You're hitting the lock button on Brooks or on Rory? On Brooks. Okay. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm not playing Brooks. I know that. But mine stems from a little bit of uh, – I, I can't really chase it, right? If I've missed it this many times, the last thing I want to do is jump on now and then watch that um, crush everybody else. So you guys can have him if he wins and we witness history, then let's do it. But it's kind of like Tiger, same way I feel about him. It, the price just isn't there. So for me, it's Rory. I, I know he's chalk. I don't like to eat a lot of chalk, especially in majors, but I find in majors is the best time to do it because the pricing is so uh, segregated and you can see where there's certain value spots that you can just make it work. I probably, uh, you know, I've talked about this before on our podcast with Kenny, but I, I don't like to go up to these 11K guys very often just because even when they win, you have to get so many other things right with it and there's a field full of better players. So not playing Brooks, going to play Rory. The guy I'm really interested in, though, and I'd like to hear you guys' take, is on Dustin Johnson because it seems like he's going to go overlooked. And when you look at pricing, that's got to be his floor, right, at 10.9K? So what I'm seeing with Dustin right now is that he was priced down as opposed to the top two, and he opened at 16-1. to 1. But then all I've seen from the Vegas books is they took an insane amount of action at Dustin Johnson at 16-1. to 1, And now in a lot of spots, he's been bet down to like 12-1. to 1. They still took a bunch of action. Then he got bet down to 10-1. to 1. So I do think that there is some sentiment for Dustin Johnson. Maybe it's a bit hidden right now. And then everyone thought, hey, no one's going to play Dustin Johnson. And then it turns out that everyone's going to play Dustin Johnson. Ben, my whole theory behind Brooks is, A, I'm an idiot for not playing him all the time anyway. I actually played him at the U.S. Open. Hey, guess what? When you plug Brooks into your lineup, you feel pretty good about it that he's just going to be there at the end. That's always some nice peace of mind to have. But the other thing, too, is like I'm looking at the ownership percentages right now on Fantasy National. Rory, as Tyler mentioned, is going to be like the overwhelming chuck. Other than that, like Tiger's going to be the lowest owned, but it does look like DJ and Rom are going to be more owned than Brooks again. It's unbelievable. That's the one thing that kills me because I... You know, I also missed the window on Brooks. I've never been on, and he just churns out these good finishes. Then, obviously, at the non-majors, he's not interested, apparently. So I'm I'm having a tough time chasing it. Now, if I can get leverage with, you know, in the teens, that's a different story. Maybe I'll look to have some and not have a, a flat zero, where if he wins again, I have no outs. But for me, you know, it's a situation, and obviously this is something we we all have to try to decipher. If there's no wind or there's minimal wind, then Rory to me is the clear play. Uh, but if this is a grinded out open where there's rain, where there's wind, it's a significant downgrade for me on a guy like Rory. I'm a huge Rory guy, but I, I like him when he can just absolutely bomb it, obviously just be mega aggressive and kind of try to tear the course apart. If that's going to be the case, and let's say we predict, we look at the weather report on Wednesday night, it's like, hey, you know what? There's, there's going to be no wind. But we've also just said that wind can come out of nowhere, and that's highly unpredictable. Wouldn't you want to kind of hedge for that and take the players that we know can be really good in the wind, opposed to just pristine, ideal conditions? So I think that's kind of where, where you want to correlate maybe skill sets. Like, to me, Rory and Rom are the guys that get the biggest bump if it's calmer conditions, they can go crazy low. They're very aggressive off the tee. And you have other guys, you know, I think DJ Brooks, those types, they're more built for really anything. But if I, if I think it's going to be very difficult or even moderately difficult, I'm way more apt to kind of punt this entire range and, and take a more balanced approach. So out, outside of DJ Tambo, are you going to play anyone else like Rory, Dustin, and just like stack those two guys? Or are you in like the ROM or even Tiger camp? Because it doesn't seem like a lot of people are going to play Tiger. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like anyone's going to play Tiger. I think, like you said, he's going to be the lowest underneath Dustin Johnson. Um, I still think Rom gets love here. We talked about it with Ben Coley yesterday, and he sort of sold me on DJ. The thing about Rom is he always shows up at the Irish Open. He always shows up at the, you know, Espana de France or whatever it is, and then he doesn't do anything at the at the actual Open. So I get that this time it's in Ireland, but I feel like I said before, I feel like Rom is at his ceiling price in a major at 10-6, and I feel like Dustin Johnson's at his floor price in a major at 10-9. And really, to Ben's point, I had to open up the week. I felt like just fading all five of them. Uh, I've got a little bit, you know, a little bit off the, the ledge on that, I should say, for Rory and for DJ. DJ, if it's wind, DJ, if it's anything, I think still has the upside here. He's been a little bit off lately, but really it's just Rory and DJ. And I might, uh, I likely full fade all the other three 
and just go balanced with the rest of my lineups in the Millie Maker. All right, so it's going to be Brooks for me. I might add one more player into that player pool if I just look at my lineups. I'm like, 80, 80% Brooks. That's a, that's a lot. I might need to diversify just a little bit here. But where I'm only playing the 20 lineups, I can't just you know, break myself out of the tournament by taking anyone. So I might make a concrete decision on that. You can check out my cheat sheet for what I'm up to. And there's a live chat tomorrow at one p.m. Eastern Time on Periscope, on Facebook, and on the DraftKings YouTube channel. You can check that. It'll be available on the podcast on demand after the fact, where I'll release my final betting cheat sheet, update the ownerships, and really kind of lock down what I'm doing. We'll have the final weather report on that as well. So in terms of actual strategy on how to build lineups, Tambo, you talked about potentially even fading all five of these guys. Do you think that the balance build is the preferred approach? Because the way that I'm seeing the ownership shakeout right now is that everyone's kind of avoiding this upper $9,000 level, starting with Patrick Cantlay and then just... I'm taking that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy and that guy. That seems to be the most common build. It'll be like Cantley, Scott, Stenson, Kucher, like all those guys in the same lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is. So, you know, I joked about it yesterday, but the 8K range, I literally have everybody start. And my thoughts was if I'm fading the top, maybe I can get more combinations of these guys and then obviously build it with, you know, a certain aggregate ownership or keep it to a point where you're still leaving money on the table or all different strategies for the Millie Maker. But one of the biggest strategies that I found, especially in, you know, large field GPPs is exploiting the ranges that you just talked about and where everyone's making decisions on the top five or else starting it can't lay down. We're about to get into this range might be a good segue, but you got Rose, Xander, Molinari, Fowler, DeChambeau, all these guys that either show up in majors or win tournaments. And that's the range that I think you can exploit rather than some guys will just have one guy in there, try and get two or three of those guys in your lineup. And then you can still have a really nice looking lineup with a unique build. So Ben, I think Tambo hits on an interesting point here. When I'm looking at projected ownership right now, when I mentioned everyone's dropping basically down to Cantlay, Xander's looking like he's going to carry some ownership as well. In that upper $8,000 range, like Cantlay, Speed, Scott, Kucher, even Hideki uh, and Stenson are all carrying ownership. In the nines, I got single digit ownership right now on Rose, Fleetwood, Molinari, Fowler, and Bryson. Isn't that kind of nuts? I mean, it seems nuts to me. That sounds right in my wheelhouse, uh, which is great because I'll have natural leverage. Justin Rose is a guy that I was heavy on in the U.S. Open. Thought he should have won, obviously. He couldn't get it done. Woodland was too good. You know, he's second in the British Open last year, and he's someone that I, I, you know, conditions-wise, I have no worries. If it's easy, if it's hard, he'll be ready to go. Uh, You get a little discount. and, And as you mentioned, some of these guys, Ricky in particular, I know he's been disappointing time and time again. Uh, but this is a guy that was perpetually popular in majors. If he's cooled off on the ownership market, that's certainly something to take a look at. Well, well, the two that really stick out to me, and you mentioned like if people have actually cooled on Ricky and maybe that doesn't turn out to be the case, maybe he gets a bunch of steam towards the end, but it really does look like Cantlay is going to come in with over double the ownership of Ricky as it stands right now. But like Fleetwood is another one that Fleetwood is just perpetually over-owned to the point where I think people are just sick of him. And the guy hasn't missed a cut in a full calendar year, Tambo, that maybe this is like, you're finally getting sneaky Fleetwood again. Yeah, um, yes, to a point, because like you said, the only thing about Fleetwood that I would say is good is that the ownership's cooled on him. I'm not really a big fan at the price. Uh, To Ben's point, I like Rose. Uh, The PGA that we just had, I know it was all scrambling and putting, but he's known for his irons. If you go to any long-term stats on Fantasy National, you're going to see Rose pop for all of those, you know, ball striking and approach stats. If he gets that back and still has that short game, and we know he's been good on links and he's been good at, at the Open before, just last year, even I like Rose quite a bit for 9,900 and even starting lineups there wouldn't be crazy. Uh, Fleetwood is, is again, a guy that will make the cut. Absolutely. But how much upside, you know, it seems like as soon as he gets a, a chance to get in the lead, it all disappears on Sunday or a Saturday round, much like Ricky. And I said yesterday, they even have the same haircut. So I'm just going to take the savings of 400 bucks and go down to Ricky at 9,300. So you prefer Ricky over someone like the defending champion golfer of the year francesco molinari or even bryson right below him who comes in with an eighth and a t2 in his previous two yeah. starts it does look like his game has finally come around a little bit or you know justin thomas is sitting right there and that's that's what i'm gonna do because i'm a sucker for yeah. justin thomas but I, I don't know like those three guys are super interesting to me especially when people are off of them that i know that maybe maybe 
you know, Bryson can't go out and win this championship, but I feel like he can perform really well. I know Molinari can go out and win. And if there is wind at this, then Molinari is someone that gets a bump up in my book. Yeah, I, I like uh, all the guys you just said, but except, except I'm not really high on Molinari. So, so Mollywood is who I'm off of in here with Fleetwood and Molinari. I, I don't know. Molinari is just, there's too many guys around him. Xander will have some steam, so maybe less on him. But I like Fowler. I, I know he missed the cut last week, and his, he hasn't been sharp the last couple. But like you said, with the ownership cooling on him, I'm obviously a Ricky truther. And we've always said if Ricky's going to win a major, it's likely to be the Open. And then it turned a little bit to, okay, the Masters is in the mix now too. But the Open's a spot for him. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a good spot at 9,300. I do like Bryson, who you mentioned, especially off – uh, just coming off that second where he popped the eagle in, Wolf took him out, but still a good run by him. He's, he's rounding into form. And then JT at 9,100 just seems mispriced. And I'm going to have a lot of him uh, considering Cantlay is going to be so high owned right there. JT, just a proven guy and just couldn't really get the putter going recently, but his irons are back. Seems as though the wrist injury is gone. Ben, I have Cantlay projected for just around 20% ownership. He could end up being the highest priced guy in this entire DraftKings millionaire maker. He comes in with excellent form. He won at Memorial. He had a T12 in his open debut last year. What do we do with him? Because this is what I talked about off the top. I don't have any particular feelings towards Cantlay. I think that he plays well, but he wasn't like an overwhelming favorite for me coming in. I actually like the Scots and the Coochers and those guys below him. But like, what do you do with the chalky Patrick Cantlay? Do you just eat it because you have that much faith? Or is this a good fade spot to go on to players who are equal caliber, but half the ownership? Yeah, for me, it's a pretty easy fade spot. Um, And it's nothing against Cantlay. It's not like I expect him to play poorly. It's just, he's a guy that, I think his window is a little more narrow in the sense that you can get away in in large field tournaments where we're talking a third of the prize pool up top. Uh, You know, if he comes in 15th or 12th or something like that, you know, in a cash setting, that's great. Uh, But in a tournament like that, there's a lot of 1v1s with maybe higher win equity with maybe just someone like Justin Thomas, where I think the miscut is higher on his end, but the chance to go out and decimate the field is also higher. And in large field tournaments, that's something, especially with, uh, you know, a fraction of the ownership, I'm willing to roll the dice on. So if we're, let's stick with Justin Thomas for a second, because if we're going to power rank our three favorite plays in this $9,000 range, I'm going to have Justin Thomas at number one. I'm going to have, I think I'm going to end up using the second most Molinari if I end up going this route, just because I... I like him for this tournament. Uh, I really hope the putting can come back just a little bit because it has not been good. Just a smidge. He's been really poor outside of like that one round at API when he won earlier this year. I'm worried that the Masters broke his brain a little bit on Sunday. I think the third guy is going to be Tommy just because no one's using him. Ben, how would you power rank this range? Top three. Uh, Rose would definitely be first. Um, I'll go Rose, Ricky, JT. You know, pretty standard for me. Tambo? I've got Rose at the top as well, but I, I followed up with Cantlay. Um, you know, I, I think he's severely underpriced. So what I'll do with Cantlay is I'll just make sure he's not in the lineups with other super chalk plays that we'll get to. There's a guy at 7,600 I'll talk about later. But Cantlay is number two, and then JT is number three just for price and leverage. All right, so let's get to this $8,000 range because a lot of ownership is really coming into this spot, uh, myself included. And there's one really big outlier when it comes down to all of this. So at the very top of the range, it's Jordan Spieth. He's 8900 bucks. Then it's Scott Kuchar, who everyone's going to own, both those guys. Jason Day looks like he might come in in single digits, which is nice. Hideki Chalk, Stenson Chalk. Paul Casey always carries ownership at these majors. Then you got Woodland and Wallace and Louie, who people are just kind of like, eh, on. Uh, if this is going to be a super chalky range, we know a lot of people will go with a Scott Kuchar or Cantley Scott or Cantley Kuchar or Cantley Stenson, whatever it might be. There's going to be a lot of combinations like these five players uh, in this mix. And then I just see, Tambo, Jordan Spieth sitting there. Am I stupid to go to this? And Because no one else is going to do it. And I, I wouldn't feel good about it. And this is what I'm trying to talk myself out of. Like, am I now getting too cute by playing Jordan Spieth? Then I look at his history, and he's great at the Open. He's fantastic at the Open. You're not, you're not stupid. Maybe we're both stupid. I don't know. But I, I'm definitely going to Spieth here. Um, you just said it. So the, the Open record, the fact that nobody's going to be on him, the price point, all the chalk that's below him, uh, I could easily see a spot where, where Jordan Spieth makes his year at the last minute and then everyone's got to go, what the hell just happened here? And he wins the Open. It's, it's the spot for him. He scored like crazy. You just had uh, Justin Ray on. All the stats that he posts out, every all the little tidbits, they're all about Spieth in majors and at the Open. So 
Uh, I think he's got three top tens in the last four here. And so even though he's at a sink totally, I, I still think it's a good spot for him uh, at $8,900. Uh, I'm not afraid of it at all. I like him and I think it's going to be a good week for him and nobody's going to be on him. The other thing is too, uh, in something like the Millie Maker, I talked about this. I, I only want to make this mistake in something where it can reward me handsomely. So if, if Spieth is wrong, okay. But if he's right, it could mean a million dollars. I'd rather take him in a spot like this. Ben, Spieth has gained on approach in one of his past seven tournaments since the Masters. We can look at the history. We know it's good. Uh, we know that he can putt the lights out, especially on these types of greens, that all of a sudden, like, oh, it's just routine he's making 35-foot putts. I wouldn't believe that to be statistically true, but then I watch it. It's like, oh, it's just it's happening again. What do you do with Spieth? Oh, boy. I mean, I'll say this. Tambo brings up a really good point in the sense I am not going to be on Spieth. But if you're going to play him, you might as well play him in a spot where if you get it right, because it's a narrow window, you can get paid off exponentially. Um, something like the Millie, because even through this horrible stretch and maybe it's not there, but I still think that the win equity for Spieth is priced up with these guys. The problem is the floor is just non-existent right now. Uh, and when it's bad, it's really bad. So not going to be for me, but, you know, in a large field tournament, if you want to take a handful of your lineups and roll the dice with a guy that we've all seen when he's on, he's unbelievable. Uh, I get that merit. Scott Kuchar, Hideki, and Stenson all going to be probably anywhere from 15 to 22% owned a piece, depending on how that ends up shaking out, Ben. Do you have a preference for any one of these guys? Because I really like Stenson. I really like Scott. I really like Kuchar. I can probably get myself away from Hideki here. But like, how do I navigate this much chalk that I know that I'm going to have lineups that have two of these guys in them? That And I know almost every other person is going to do that too. Do I have to get myself away from that, pick a spot down at the bottom where I know no one else is going to make my lineups unique? Or like, I just, I'm very confused by this range because I want to play these guys. Yeah, it's difficult. Um, you know, you know, it's one of those things. And we, we mentioned this basically on every major show, cause it's really important. You don't need to be unique on all six. You need to be unique within, you know, the totality of the lineup. So you can play two of these chalky guys together. No problem. You just really want to make sure that you do something different with the other four spots. Uh, for me, Stenson would be first, but you know, I know we'll talk about him, but honestly, if I had to rank this little range first for me would be Jason day. So Jason Day is actually coming in, like I mentioned, at sub 10% ownership right now. And it's the first time in like over 14 months he's had three consecutive tournaments where he's both gained off the tee in strokes gained and gained on approach. He was terrible at the 3M because the dude couldn't putt, which is super atypical of Jason Day. So you think this is a really nice buy low spot? Absolutely. I love it. And you just kind of said it. You know, Jason Day historically is a phenomenal putter. Everything that I worry about with him, he's been doing really well. Uh, so if, if the best part of his game kind of regresses positively, comes to the open uh, with less buzz than he would if he would have putted normal and had a better result. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. The past decade, Jason Day has not missed the cut at the open. No super like super duper high finishes outside of the time that he just missed the playoff at St. Andrew, but consistently inside the top 25, you get a hot putting week from him and all of a sudden, hey, there's Jason Day at the top of the leaderboard. Tambo, what do you make of this range? Like, do you have a preference? And is Jason Day, I know if you're going with Spieth, then you probably don't need Jason Day or maybe you like him more than Adam Scott. I don't know. What do you see in here? I like Adam Scott. Uh, I do still like Day, though. Uh, you know, to Ben's point, what you talked about, eight for eight made cuts at the open. Uh, Stevie Williams on the bag, a little bit of extra there. Uh, you want to talk about Ricky Elliott with Brooks? I, I think Stevie Williams still provides Jason Day with some good leverage there. Also, his greens and regulation the last two times out is like 80% or something. So, you know, he's solid right now. It's just his around the green and putter, which we all know he's one of the best, if not the best in the world at. So uh, love Jason Day. The one for me, and I know you guys are saying Stenson's your favorite. My favorite, one of my favorite pivots in this range is actually going to Paul Casey, who nobody seems to be talking about over Henrik Stenson, who looks like he's going to be one of the higher owned in this range, if not the highest. Henrik Stenson has been on fire coming in with approach, but he's like, I think his best finish on the year is eighth at the RBC Canadian Open versus Casey's one, come second, come third. I think he's like nine in a row. Uh, Gained on approach, good with the putter. Always been a guy that we've liked in majors. I'm not sure why there's no love for Casey and all the love for Stenson. Stenson, if anything, could sort of be priced up versus a uh, Matsuyama, who was just 11.1K a couple weeks ago 
and is now down to 8,500, almost the min pr- the the average price on DraftKings. Well, I think he, when you look at Stenson, you see he has three consecutive top tens. He has that eighth that you mentioned. He had a ninth at the U.S. Open. They had a fourth last week at the Scottish. And primarily, his problem all season has been putting. Uh, the ball striking has been super elite. The guy just can't drain a five-foot putt. We saw... You know, echoes of that last week at the Scottish, but it was a little bit better, and the ball striking was still absolutely on point. Uh, and he's won a Claret Jug in the past. He tends to play well at the British Open. When you get him in a setting where the short game is not predicated on using your wedge to flop the ball up high that sometimes you can even putt from off the green because there's so many shaved greens around the putting areas. And I know a lot of these are elevated, but you're still going to see a lot of that. The old the old Martin Keimer approach to short game where take the wedge out of my hand and I'm a whole lot better. I think Stenson falls into that category as well and I think that actually hinders Hideki just a little bit I think that his short game is so good especially like when the rough is up that when you neutralize that a little bit short game means a little bit less because there are so many different opportunities especially when you see with these when you see like random euros pop up at the British Open it's because when we think about link style golf this is what we think about especially from 50 yards and in the different types of shots that you have at your disposal where you just don't on the PGA Tour. So I like Stenson more than I like Casey here. I just think that his win equity is higher. Uh, Paul Casey can only win at one place, apparently. Uh, And I've rostered Paul Casey enough in these majors to know that it just goes horrible. I think if you're looking for the pivots in this range, Ben, that you want to drop down to, like, the woodlands of the world. I'm not big on Matt Wallace, but, like, no one's going to own him. And and with Louis, Feinberg even pointed this out, like, there's no real fear with Louis. He's not going to WD from a major. He's never done that. Well, I can I can uh, counter that because I, I had him in a, in a Thunderdome at the PGA and he did not tee off. Uh, that was awful. When, but was, when was that? Recently, within the last two years, for sure. Louis I... uh, mur- murdered my soul uh, in a major with a WD. But it is Louis. We, we know what we get with him. I don't worry about the it, it's overblown, that whole situation. Uh, and when he gets going, you know, this is a guy, obviously, he has a Claret Jug. He's been second at all the other majors. It's just a risk reward thing. You got to be willing to roll the dice with a guy that we know when he's on is unbelievable. Uh, Tambo, if it's not going to be Casey, are one of those three someone you would be into? Like, why does no one like Gary Woodland anymore? Uh, it's because people got their ticket paid out, Pat. That's why. So it's all just free rolling now for the rest of the year, right? If you had him at uh, the PGA at one fifty to one, <laughs> excuse me, you got I got him one twenty five to one here on each way. I might just let that roll. His stat- all line up i'll probably go to wallace though to be honest i'm not as big of a louis guy i I like him i'm still gonna have him in in mme but uh, i still like wallace i think that it's the classic overpriced quote unquote where everyone says he's too expensive why is he up there Uh, you know there's a previous major winner there there's louis who's also a previous major winner in the past but the most recent's right above him i think he goes overlooked and he's a euro guy that we know has done well he's come over to the pga done well even in our in the you know what we would call our majors on the other side of the pond, I think at 8,100, he goes over, overlooked and has some upside here. I would think that Matt Wallace still ends up higher owned than Louie does, just because people are so scared of Louie. Withdrawal, yeah, worry, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's baked into Louie, but it's, believe me, as someone who's t- dealt with a lot of them, it's such a small percentage. That, like, you just have to put that out of your mind, and if it happens, it happens, but I... I I don't factor that in when I'm trying to t- decide whether to play Louie. All right, Ben, I'm going to power rank what I think it shakes out to be in terms of my favorite of these chalky plays. And I'll, I'll say the five of them again. There's Stenson, Hideki, Kucher, Scott, and Cantlay, all in that one range. I like Stenson the best. I like Kucher second best. I like Adam Scott third, Cantlay, and then Hideki. How would you put those five guys? Ooh, uh, it would probably go Stenson... Decky, Scott, Kucher, Cantlay. Tambo? Decky's number one for sure. Um, then I'd probably go Day, like we talked about with the leverage. Day, Day is not a part of this, but okay. Don't, oh, okay, don't, okay, okay. Try, try not to listen. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a first-timer here. Give the rookie a break. So uh, who's not in it? Just Jason, just Jason Day? Yeah, just all the guys that are projected around 20%. We got Cantley, Stenson, Hideki, Kucher, and Scott. Those five guys. Yeah, this is a mess. Okay, I, I like Decky. I like Casey. I like Casey's Scott. not fucking in it! Oh, my Respect. gosh. 
Okay, I gotta redo this then because I'm lost here. So I thought he was one of my power power rankings for the AK range. That's why I was just going those with. So, just those five guys. Okay, so who do you have? This is what happens when we talk about Usti. He just he this is what happens. Yeah, can I, lo- what can I say? I, I'm lost. I like Wallace. I like. Okay, Whitman. stop. Okay, I, stop. Let, just just stop and listen. We have Patrick Cantlay, Adam Scott, Matt Kuchar. Henrik Stenson, Hideki Matsuyama. Rank those five guys. Cantlay, Hideki, Stenson, Kucher. No, Stenson, Scott, Kucher. Perfect. Boom. There we are. There we go. It took a while, but I got there. Pat. So, so easy. Let's move on to the 7K range. Uh, Tambo, you mentioned someone that's going to be very chalky at $7,600. i am going to guess that person is Webb Simpson, uh, and I don't right. know if I want to play Webb Simpson because I, I don't. Yeah, it's going to be Webb Simpson. I mean, there's certainly some leverage plays around him with Fitzpatrick, Pepperell. Um, you got Poulter above it, Leishman above it. I'm probably going to, like I said, I, I don't always just fade them because of the chalk. I always look for a reason. I think he's severely underpriced still for what he's done this season. Um, we've seen him in the past in strong fields, something like the players where he just can show up and go off. Uh, the putters got quite a bit better. For me, I still like Webb, but I'll just probably match the field and make sure, again, like I said, that he's not in some of those lineups with the – Chalky guys that I couldn't quite coordinate there. And then go with uh, some leverage with someone like Mark Leishman, 7,700. I always like him. He's normally priced around, you know, 8 to 9K in, in other fields, even higher in some of the weaker fields. When we get him down at 7,700, I like him. And then I also like Finau right above him, a guy who we've always liked in majors. He's another guy like Ricky you mentioned before that it seems like the ownership's just completely cooled on him. He's not good anymore and nobody wants him. But 7,800 bucks for Finau seems like a steal. Uh, ben, the three highest projected players I have in this range, over 10% right now from this upper $7,000 area, Webb would carry the most ownership, Leishman would be second, and Rafa Cabrera Bayo would be third. Rafa is my favorite play of the 7K range. I really like Leishman a bunch, too. I'm out on Finau, just I don't know where his game is at right now. Uh, I know he had the top 10 at the Open last year, but just I, I if it's ideal conditions, like you had mentioned, that maybe if you want to play, a, you want to find a way to get off of Rory ownership, that you can play Rory, Rom, Finau in a lineup, then just play some bombers in the 6K range. Maybe that's a unique build with skill sets, but that's not going to be something that I'm going to end up doing. Eddie Pepperell is one for this range. He has two top five finishes in his past four starts. He was inside the top 10 last year, made a big run. I dislike him on this link setup, so I'm going to go with Fast Eddie. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting plays in this. And this is where we get to, you know, you kind of just echoed it. I look at guys and a lot of if statements, like someone like Leishman, if it's windy, if it's tough, I'm going to really elevate him. Finau in a special circumstance, maybe with other bombers, maybe in calm conditions, I'm going to look at uh, RCB, probably my favorite play when you factor everything in, you know, he's playing well, uh, has a little history with the Irish Open here back in the day. Obviously, Fitzy is there. There's not a ton, um, you know, Ian Poulter is someone I never get right. So I'm not even going to pretend to, to know what I want to do with him, but he is sitting there kind of staring me right in the face. I, do you have any interest with him? No, uh, that's where I went to Pepperell instead. I just yeah. like the form that Pepperell's in right now. And the only other guy I'd really give some thought to, and maybe I'll just bet him and not play him, but like Danny Willett's been really good at the open. Even when like he was garbage after the Masters, he was still making the cut at the British Open. Yeah, I mean, the British, obviously, this is the one I know that I've seen the stat thrown around a bunch this week that and it's true. Obviously, the winners of all these tournaments lately have been really top tier players. But if there's one in particular, in my opinion, major where something bizarre could happen, where a guy maybe who's not on the mind could come out of nowhere, this is it just because we have so many wild card factors with the course, with the conditions. So I'm more apt to take a, a, a reach play or two as we work down. So if you had to go top three from 8,000 to 7,500, Tambo, that's the range again, 79 through 75. <laughs> Who would be your top three? Yeah, uh, for me, it's going to still be Webb, number one, even though he's chalk, Leishman, number two, and then Finau, number three. All right, I'm going to go, Ben, Rafa Cabrera Bayo, number one, number two, Mark Leishman, number three, Eddie Pepperell. How would you rank them? I'm going to go RCB one. So I'm with you there. I'm going to, I have to put, I'm putting Fitzy second. Oh my God. Uh, don't, don't hit. He's just, again, a guy, he's going to gain off the tee without being long. Keep it in the fairway. And then I'll put leash third. 
Okay, so if we go to the bottom end of the $7,000 range, I'm just scanning for ownership here. It looks like EVR and Burned Wiesberger are the two that are going to carry a lot of ownership. I do want to play them, though, is the entire thing. Like, the only other guys I can really kind of start making cases for, like, you look at, you know, if it's super difficult, maybe Norrin has found something. I don't know if I want to gamble on that. Zach Johnson just has, you know, he's a top five player at the Open over the past five years. He couldn't even, like do damage at the John Deere Classic. So I have no idea where his game is. So I'm looking at EVR. I'm looking to feel the burn. And I think I might go with Brad Snedeker. What is going on here? What about Patrick Reed, 7,400? That's my man right here. Uh, Just a guy very crafty around the greens. His irons are back in business. Uh, Big game guy. Obviously, he's got a green jacket. I'm a Reed guy. I know a lot of people don't like him. I found myself going there at what I don't think will be over polarizing ownership. Well, the thing is, Patrick Reed is like everyone's favorite long shot play of the week now. I think that he's going to end. I think like everyone I'm here talking, it's it's almost like that Dustin Johnson thing where it's like, oh, well, no one wants DJ. I'll use DJ. Then everyone ends up on DJ that people are doing the same thing with Patrick Reed. Now, you don't need him to win at this price point. He just needs to play well. And I think that he can play well. And as you mentioned, like the irons have been fire, gaining an average of 6.2 strokes gained on approach against the field in his past two. But Tambo, a lot of people are going to point that out, but that was against the Rocket Mortgage field and the 3M field. Like, that's not great competition. Yeah, it's not. And like you said, the finishes aren't really that strong for what he did either. But I think it's more about, like you say, everyone got the long shot, so he's going to come up a little bit. But I don't know if as many people are going to play him here. Uh, it feels like people want to play Hatton. People have mentioned Snedeker. Uh, even Tong Lee I've heard mention of. Certain guys like that. I really like Reed. It, it reminds me of the Jason Day price. I have no clue why Day is 8600 I have no clue why... Reed is 7,400. It seems like they both should be shot up a little bit in their tiers. Uh, for me, I'm definitely playing Reed, and I got the bet in. I just think it's too cheap for a guy with too much talent, and the upside's always there, but it's a volatile place. So you got to you know, manage your numbers and your ownerships and just take the risk in something like the Millie Maker with them and move on. Well, the other two at the very bottom at $7,000 that I am looking at, and shockingly enough, one of them is Ben Ann. So, who's gained strokes putting in three of his past four events, Raza. So, you know, it's all coming together for Ben Ann at exactly the right time. And he's won at Wentworth before, too. Uh, So, he does a bit better, at least from a winning perspective, on the European Tour and over in Europe than he does in America when I generally back him. But I'll, you know, waste money on Ben Ann again for, like, the 98th consecutive tournament. The other guy, who I initially thought was Italian, I thought he was Mike Lorenzo Vera. But it turns out he is French, so he is Michel Lorenzo Vera. But I like the way that he's setting up right now. Uh, and I don't think that many people are going to end up playing him. And he's at an even 7K. No, he's playing well. Uh, a lot of experience in Europe. And these are the type of guys that can, you know, we've seen. They can hang in. They're used to conditions. Uh, not as obscure, but I'll, I'll throw Andy Sullivan in the mix. He's flat 7K. Uh, he was really, you know, low-key in the mix. Fell, fell back when it was all said and done in Scotland. Not the longest hitter, but but someone that I think should have no no problem in a field like this, kind of getting through that cut and just paying off what'll be a back end roster spot. Uh, Tambo, EVR and Weisberger, are you in on those two guys? Not not on Weisberger as much. Uh, I do like EVR, and that's sort of I think a good pivot. It seems like everybody wants to be on Burn because obviously he just won uh, his recent form is huge coming in, but but in majors and in the Open he hasn't been a solid. Maybe this is where he turns the corner. But uh, for me, I'd much rather play EVR. And then a couple of guys around there that I like, you know, sort of the older man, recent form narrative. I don't mind Ches Reby just to put it in the fairway and keep it rolling, coming off, uh, you know, a recent win and a third before that. Not a huge open record, but, you know, that's something. I still think he'll be a little bit unique there. And then the other guy, the one that skipped out on $1.2 million to get over here right away when he got the email was Kevin Streelman. Uh, he's been hot right now in recent form and even 7K instead of sort of trying to pick through the, Sung JMs and Lorenzo Vieras of the world. I'm just going to go with the guy that's got a little bit of recent form and see what he can do here, especially if the score is going to be something like minus 10, minus 15 range. I still think he can compete. Yeah, I think I'm going to be out on Kevin Streelman. I think a lot like what we're seeing with, I think I'd have more interest in someone like Chez Reeve than Kevin Streelman. Kevin Streelman just beats up and gains all these strokes against really bad competition versus when you put him into a setting where it's you know, very, very good. He's not quite as good, and he's not a good around-the-green player. He's not a good putter, and that could really come back to bite him on a bigger stage right now. I think he might be a bit too fired up to be here. Ben, what about 
Thunderbear, Thorbjorn Olesen. He has two top 15s coming in. Uh, he's right around that age where you, know, you start to consider people for the Open. Uh, you know, he's 29, just about to turn 30. He just feels like if we're looking for like 1%, 2% plays in this range, it feels like him and Lorenzo Vera. I mean, you mentioned Andy Sullivan. I have no interest in Spaceman. But those two guys really draw my attention. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, Olison's a guy, obviously we saw him, we've seen him at, at WGCs get in the mix. He know, we know he can score. The problem I have with him and it's just something, usually the range he's in, he's with Thomas Peters. And if I'm going to take a crazy wild man that I go to the Belgium. So I'll roll with Peters if I'm looking for someone that can really go low, but has giant blow up risk. Hey, do you know who the lowest projected ownership guy is in this range, Ben? Keegan? Uh, it's Bubba Watson. <laughs> well, that's, I, I don't even see him when I look through because I just, he's just manually omitted from all things. I'm surprised he even made the trip, honestly. What if it's ideal conditions? Once, even if there's just a little splash of water f- from the coast, he'll be freaking out. Um, I don't see Bubba making too much noise. I, I love to see him pull driver and be mega aggressive. That's always fun. Hey, uh, Tambo, Bubba has made the cut at the open two of the past three years, shockingly enough. I think that would surprise <laughs> almost anyone. Yeah, not for me. Uh, I'm like Ben there. I, I didn't even know he was in the field almost. <laughs> when you look at the card, you just swipe right past him. I'd rather play old man Furyk below him for 7,100 and just let him whittle his way through like he did at the player's and almost competed in another tournament where people saw Rory going low and, and Rory got him by a little bit, but Furyk at 7,100 is fine for me instead of Bubba there. Uh, if people want to do that, like optimal condition, really good off the tee stack. If you somehow can manage to fit Rory and Rom into a lineup, we talked about Finau. Uh, Abraham Answer is another player who's very good off the tee that carries almost no ownership. He's in the very bottom of this range. I'm not super into that. And I would throw some caution at Sungjae. Like he's very inconsistent, and this is a very big time stage for him, uh, where people are. I wouldn't say a lot of people are going to be on him, but he's now a name that people turn to in DraftKings, and he was pretty horrendous tambo with his irons at the john deere classic still finished all right but like he really took himself out of that tournament yeah and the guy he's he's going to be a talent everyone that talks about him that sees him live or, or some of the players if you read the interviews say that he's just a wizard with his irons and i believe that to be true it's just like you said he was off there the trip the first time i'm with you at the start of the at the top of the show or the this segment when you said and i would much rather play benny Ann, as crazy as that sounds coming in Uh, at the same price right there. And we've seen him contend with the big boys at certain events. So uh, I'll play Benny and I'd even play Keegan Bradley if we're going with the volatile guys there over Sung J.M. The last guy, I guess there's two guys I want to point out. It didn't seem like anyone had a whole bunch of interest in Zach Johnson. Tambo, I'll chuck this to you. One is Griot, whose ball striking is still excellent at the moment. And he actually played in this tournament at this course in the Irish Open in 2012, which I really found surprising. Uh, so he has a little bit of experience here. It seems like the, the shine is off Griot. No one really wants him anymore. So there's him. And then uh, we kind of skipped over the Graham McDowell's and the Shane Lowry's. What about a Patty Harrington? No, no Patty Harrington for starters. Um, I do like uh, Lowry a little bit over McDowell. I actually feel here like everyone's talking about Rory McIlroy and the pressure and can he do it at the top. I feel like McDowell, we even saw him walking Dustin Johnson around the course. I feel like he's playing more of the host role and just sort of happy to be there, even though he's played it so many times. And I kind of like Lowry over McDowell there, especially if McDowell is going to gain a little bit of ownership. Uh, no, no Harrington for me. I know he had those good couple starts the last couple times out, but uh, again, plays the old man narrative. It could work. I, I liked your answer take there, but Grillo is interesting to me because it's a, one of those ones Ben just talked about with the what if situation. If we think, you know, the wind's going to get up and it's going to be minus five or something like that. He's a grinder, you know, Grillo's the grinder. And I think he could be fine here too. And someone that's going to just go completely overlooked at 7,100. I think he made almost every cut, like 19 out of his last 20. So at 7,100, we get a made cut and then a little bit of upside built in. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, Emiliano Grillo's last miscut was at the Honda Classic earlier this year. Before that was the 2018 U.S. Open, Ben. I actually kind of like Grillo. Yeah, I mean, I you don't have to say much to get me on him. Uh, <laughs> it's a thing I worry. Uh, you know, the short game can take him out of it at times where he just does ungodly things but, but, around the green. But I, I do think that the shaved greens, like even if we look at somewhere like the U.S. Open, the only one that really follows this is like Pinehurst. But I do think you're going to be able to putt from off these greens. And if that's the case, like that does really equalize how good of a short game you need to have. 
there's something to that. Obviously, don't go. There's a couple guys in this range where if they go in, in the bunkers, it, it could be game over. But you know what? The way he strikes irons, we, we've seen time and time again. It's, you know, put it on the green, lag it up there, make, make a couple timely putts. There's no reason he can't do that. And at 7,100, uh, he's actually cer- certainly in play. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's talk about these 6K guys. Again, one of the ways that you can get into the draws for all the DK bucks that I'm giving away. Winners announced on Wednesday's show, by the way, at the very top. Uh, you smash the like button, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Tell me your two favorite players from under $6,000. So let's play this game. Let's enter. You guys can't enter the draw. You guys can't. I guess you guys could if you really wanted to. I can't win. But Tambo, let's start with you. Who are your two favorite plays from under $7,000? Probably a sucker here, but Billy Horschel is one of them at 6,900. Another guy like Grillo, who we just talked about, who just makes cuts. I know he has been terrible in the open, but this is the year that he's been doing a lot better recently. And if you look at, uh, you know, stats-wise, everything's sort of lining up just right. I do always have that backwards hat Billy in the back of my head, and I really am hoping it's not going to be that. Um, But the other guy, too, is Andrew Putnam, uh, 6,600. Uh, really good form coming in and hasn't played an open before, but again, a guy makes cuts cheap price on him. And last week uh, at the Scottish, he was, I think it went 69, 67, 65, 64. He got better every single round. So a good little tune up for him there. Uh, Other than that, he's been pretty solid on the year. So I like Horschel and I like Putnam as two of my favorite plays down low. Ben, the guys that are carrying ownership, I don't actually have one player projected for over double digits at the moment. There's some guys in the nine, some guys in the eights, but Joaquin Neiman sets up to be the highest owned of the players below $7,000 with his recent hot streak. Uh, He's at $6,900. A lot of people look like they're going towards Fratelli uh, coming off the win. Putnam is one that people are going towards, and Lucas Glover projects to be the second highest owned player from down in this range. The two that I am going with, and maybe you guys can talk me out of this. One is Corey Connors, because, you know, I'm such a sucker. So he's 6300 bucks. The ball striking is immaculate. And maybe he can just have one of those weeks like he did when he won. And all of a sudden, it was fantastic. And he just ran away from the field. And the other one is, is the Jazz Man. The Jazz Man has been tearing it up. Uh, I mean, we, we saw that he faded on Sunday at the PGA Championship, but he's since returned to the Japanese Tour and continues to turn out wins in top fives. I like him big in the spot. You remember, Ben, how everyone liked Hao Tong the year that he went off? And everyone's like, ah, oh, well, Hao Tong can't really do it. I feel like Jazz is setting up to be that guy this time around. Interesting. I You know, obviously he was super impressive, uh, you know, at the PGA Neiman is somebody, obviously I looked at him, but you know, I, I said before, I worry, I know you maybe you can do something around the greens, but he's someone, if he goes in these bunkers, uh, we could have a, another minor situation with him not being able to get out. This is, this is just bad. Uh, I worry about that a lot. I'll throw Aaron wise out there. You know, I think he's just a kind of a better version of that aggressive driver of the ball. I don't think this is the best course for him by any stretch, but if I was going to throw a, a dark horse, I would go there and then, I'll understand if this is my last show with what I'm about to say. I'm going to play Charlie Hoffman. I know he's been God awful. Uh, I just have a kind of a feeling that if he can turn similar, we saw this with Henley. I know it's easy to say that in hindsight, but if he can just flip this putter a bit, I could see him bouncing back after a horrible stretch of golf here. It's been five consecutive tournaments losing strokes on the green. It's been a lot of strokes on the green, at least before that, even during the four missed cuts, like the ball striking was still pretty good that, yeah, if he can flip his putter, I mean, if I'm going to play Ben Ann, I think Ben Ann's a better ball striker at the moment, but that does make a lot of sense as it pertains to Charlie Hoffman. Um, and I just start looking at some of these other names here. Like I'm going to bet Siwoo at 300 to one, but I don't real, I don't have a whole lot of interest in playing him. Maybe there is, there are two other guys down here. And I think that like, if I play 20 lineups, they're going to appear in two of them. Let's say just cause I'm taking an absolute gamble on them. One is Xander Lombard who came second here at the amateur in 2014 popped at the Irish inside the top 10, uh, two weeks ago that he's he's a South African player. He's a better Lynx player than anything else. He's, you know, probably going to miss the cut. But it does seem like he has some upside, at least scoring potential, and he can play a little bit better in the wind. He's only $6,300, so I like him. And the other one is this guy that I found, Chan Kim. You guys know anything about Chan Kim, Tambo? I I did um, some research. Uh, I was working with somebody on it. They were showing me all this Lynx data, and he actually popped really high on Lynx courses when they – combined all the data from like six or seven courses all time. And he popped up and I saw him there. So 
I have them in one lineup right now, just with all my favorite core plays. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then see you later, Chan Kim. So, Ben, do you know much about uh, the American Chan Kim? And I know that he exists thanks to you just mentioning his name. Okay. Um, that's, that's the extent. All right. So here's what we got on Chan Kim. Uh, he actually played in the uh, WGC HSBC champions back in 2017. Did not play in the 2018 season, which is kind of nuts. But the last time that he played at the Open Championship, he was inside the top 20, which is always nice to see. And I hope I'm looking at the right Chan Kim here before I uh, start listing off some of these numbers. Maybe I'm not. That would be really tough. Yeah, the 146th Open Championship, his debut tournament as a professional, he was T11. Uh, then you just start looking at what he's done. Like I mentioned, he got hurt in 2018, and now he's back. He qualified for the U.S. Open and missed the cut. That's not good, but the tournament's surrounding it. Um, so he's been playing on the Japanese tour. Second T3, missed cut at the U.S. Open, then a solo third and a T22. Like, this guy is basically free. He's $6,100. I'm going to play him in two of 20 lineups, and I might even bet him to be top 20. It just seems like there's something with this guy that, as Tambo pointed out, like links data points to him. No one's going to, like, he's going to be a legit, like, 0.1% guy. And if he makes the cut or somehow comes inside the top 30, what he gives you access to at the top is mind-boggling. And there's no one else from below 60. I mentioned Lombard. I mentioned Connors. They're both at 6,300. That's fine. Uh, I don't have the highest hopes for them either, more than like I do for Chan Kim. But if I only want to use them in two lineups, it does open up a lot. I don't like the rest of these guys down at like the 6K and $6,100 range. I mean, what you just talked about is the point to make in the sense that if you like something up top that's a mega aggressive, you might only need him to make the weekend and just not derail the team. So he's someone you could look at. There's other egregious. If I was forced to do it for me, I would rather play Callum Shrinkwin. Uh, that's a guy who can get hot in a hurry. Another one who probably is only playing 36 holes here, but I'd rather take a shot there. You may want to go that range. If you really want to say, say you want to start like Rory DJ uh, that is viable. Do you see anyone from down at the bottom of this list, Tambo, that you could use to, if you wanted to do a double stack above $10,000 and you had to drop down into this like sub 65 range, who would be the guys for you? Or is that just off the table for you? No, no, I I don't mind it. Uh, You mentioned one of them. It's the Canadian bias, I think, but Corey Connors, um, one point that I I just didn't hear was so 6,300 bucks. You talked about it with his irons at 3M, couldn't put it together on the greens, but he actually went over, if you check his Twitter, he's been over in Ireland for like a week. He was visiting family, practicing quite a bit on a couple of the local courses. So uh, I don't mind him at 6,300. We've seen him come out of a Monday queue and go on to win. So a PGA Tour winner at 6,300, that hasn't been that bad. Don't mind him. And even Sung Kang at the same price. Another guy, you know, he's sort of like a way cheaper version, uh, you know, of some of the guys that play a lot. You talked about Sung J.M. earlier. He plays a ton. Kang is like 22 tournaments made the cut at 15 of them. Uh, and the last two opens, he's made the cut and actually been leading or, or up in the leaders of the top 10 at the halfway point. So uh, he falls back to 67th and 44th, but at 6,300, still upside there with another PGA Tour winner this season. Yeah, the only other guy that I would really give an interest to, only because in his past four starts, he's won and coming. He came inside the top five last week at the Scottish Open. And that doesn't seem to be translating at all to any sort of ownership, but it's uh, Andrea Pavin from Italy. All these guys, the French names are Italian and the Italian names are French. It's very confusing. Yeah, him and Nino got into the field. Um, you know, Kirk, could he, um, I want to say, do, what happened to Chris Wood? I assume that he had an injury of some sort because that's a guy a couple years ago, you know, if he was this price, it would be a plug and play. And he's not even in borderline consideration with the year he's having. I actually have no insight to what he probably like lost his swing. He's like eight feet tall. Eventually his coordinate, his lack of coordination caught up to him. Yeah. He hasn't made a cut this year. Crisp O for eight, but that's a guy that I, I always liked playing him. Um, But this is a range for me. I may go in there occasionally, but I, I have other build types that probably will prevent me from really having to dig this deep. Yeah, well, if I end up going this deep, because like I don't see a huge distinction between these very bottom 6K guys and the very top of the 6K and even like the bottom of the $7,000 level, you get more name recognition the higher up the pricing you go. But I don't think that the talent gap is all that huge. That this leads me to, I can play a lot of like Brooks, 
9,000 guy, 8,000 guy, and they just drop down into this range if I want to get aggressive and roll the dice. And listen, I lose all my money in the Millionaire Maker every time anyway. Well, at least why not try to play this balls-out approach, Tambo? That, that's what I'm doing with Spieth. That's exactly it. And, and the other thing is, like you just said, that's why I want to play these balanced lineups because we just you know, struggled to get through this range and talking about Chan Kim and whatnot. I, I think that just shows you know, 6,900 and up, if you get to those balanced builds, exploit the 9k range that nobody's really playing like you said with Fleetwood or Molinari the guys that you like and then some of the other ones we mentioned there I think that's the the builds that we'll see move towards the top unless Rory Brooks DJ someone like that just boat races the field it's really going to be a balanced build that gets there uh any like bets you guys are looking at i was looking at some first round leaders i'll reveal all this stuff on my show because i obviously haven't put them all in yet on wednesday but i did go with lombard first round leader and lorenzo vera first round leader and i'm gonna give a look to chan kim i wonder what his odds are 200 to 1 first round leader same as sung kang maybe sung kang is the play tambo i think at 200 to 1 for first round leader that's the thing i i just mentioned it it was coley that brought it up yesterday on the podcast that he's been like up in the top 10 for the the last two opens or in the middle of the pack and it fell back so uh he's a good shot out of the gate and then probably falls away but 200 to 1 that's solid value especially with the canadian each way that we have there yeah that's true and at these majors you can bet like top 20 first round leader as well at some pretty decent odds on some of these long shots what are you looking at here raza for any bets you're thinking about making yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll throw my traditional Thomas Peters uh, first round leader, another quick starter. He also could start with like multiple quads and then you don't have to worry about it. Uh, the guy, I, I bet day pretty pretty early in the week. I just think not a lot of people are on him for some reason. Maybe you'll gain some steam as we get closer to Thursday. But, uh, you know, this is a tournament. I think uh, I mentioned this earlier. Weird stuff can happen. This is the one, if you're going to take a shot on some outrights, you can open it up a little because I wouldn't be stunned to see not one of the top tier players uh, breakthrough. Yeah, Cantlay, Stenson, and Scott are getting all the steam in the betting market. They've gone inside 30 to 1. They were all at 35, 30, 33. Now they're all 28 or 25. And guys like Spieth have dropped back. Bryson has dropped back. Mike or Matt Wallace has dropped back. The only other one I can really see moving up the board is still Weisberger. People are still kind of steaming him a little bit. And Rafa Cabrera Bayo, people do like too. Tiger has dropped down to 22 to 1 that I'm seeing as of this moment. So they're, they're not taking the Tiger action that they thought or the books are just like tiger is not going to win this let's put him at any price so that would be somewhat you know kind of an indicator for me what these betting markets are doing as it pertains to the players that you want to target but we'll close with this ben we'll start with you if you had to give me three core players for the british open this time around who would they be they would be justin rose jason day and patrick reed tambo who are your core players going to be I'm going to say Justin Rose as well, uh, Matsuyama, and then Adam Scott. Okay. I am going to go, and this is going to be very, very atypical of me. My guys that I'm going with, my three core guys, Brooks, number one, number two, Matt Kuchar, number three, Rafa Cabrera-Beo. And then I got to use like the Chan Kims of the world to make sure that I, my team isn't exactly the same as everyone else's. But I'm sick. I'm sick of avoiding these guys because of ownership. I think all three of those guys are going to play incredibly well. So I'm going to chuck them into my lineups. So that's the way that I'm going to play it. Any final thoughts, Ben? No, I mean, obviously, I think leading up to Thursday, don't drive. I'm not saying don't look at the weather, but at some point you have to accept that things may change. Make a stand, see what you see and, and just build, take a shot and see what happens. Tambo, any final thoughts from you? Yes, stick to what Ben said. Build your lineups. You know, have conviction. If the Chan Kim of the world is your guy, then roll it. Don't be afraid. Like I said with Speed, the biggest thing for me is if you're going to make a quote-unquote mistake, the spot to do it is where it can pay off huge. So uh, whoever you got, go with it. Like you just said, Mayo, with the ownership at majors, it always gets spread out in, you know, the majority of places. We know who the mega chalk is. And then the rest of it's quite spread out. So you can really just be different in a couple places. A lot of the lineups that we see winning these things don't end up with these super sleepers on them. It's just a really well-built lineup, maybe a couple hundred bucks left on the table and avoiding most of the chalk together in the same lineup. So I do want to let everyone know if they want to become a subscriber at gupscorner.com, you get yourself 15% off if you use the promo code Mayo. Tambo, what do you guys got going on over at gupscorner.com? 
lots of stuff. It, it's going to be a big week for us over there. We'll have the E9 tomorrow night where it's the emergency nine chat. We get on. It'll be Bucks, myself, Gup. Uh, we've got the Slack chat going. There's over a thousand members in there right now. That's sort of the whole community family feel. Uh, Gup is going to do up some heat maps for these uh, tea times, which is really effective and really helped people in the past because you'll know who's in what range versus the first day and the second day if you do want to build your lineups that way. And other than that, man, just a lot of uh, a lot of betting, a lot of rankings, and a lot of good fun. Uh, ben, what do you guys have going on over at Awesomeo.com? Yeah, busy, busy. So obviously, uh, me and Fantasy Golf Man will have our podcast uh, two thirty. Stop on for that show, and then Jason Roslin's pumping out a ton of content. We'll do the late night show on Wednesday night. Uh, obviously, articles, projections, all that good stuff. Uh, we have Slack, which is always the best part. As Tambo said, great community, great fun. And then that's just for golf. Obviously, the other sports are in full swing, and NFL is coming fast and furious. Uh, I told everyone how they can get into the draws uh, for the DK Bucks, the 250 the 100 the 50 the $20 giveaways. Winners will be announced Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time on the live chat show. So if you do have questions and you want to know the updated cheat sheet and all of that kind of thing, you tune in to that show. You can listen to it on demand as well. So subscribe to the audio podcast. If you leave a five-star review, DraftKings handle something nice, you'll get in that draw just like you will if you follow me on Instagram at the PME. But if you want to get an annual membership to to fantasynational.com you need to be a pre-existing member so go become a member right now if you're not uh, and then you can get into these draws just share the show around give it a retweet give it a share whatever it might be tell someone about it i mean that's probably not going to work as well because you need to reply with your DraftKings handle to me uh, but you know you can just say yeah i told my friend he's uh, now a member uh, and boom uh, he watched your show. Here's my DraftKings handle. I might believe you. I probably won't, but I might believe you on that. But that's how you get open-to-open annual membership to FantasyNational.com. And we have Amanda Rose over at Portrush right now. If you follow her on Twitter at AmandaGolf59, you can find out what's going on over at the course at Portrush. Royal Portrush with FantasyNational.com. So everyone, go check that out. My cheat sheet will be up on DKPlaybook.com later on Tuesday evening. So go check that out. Plus all the other shows we've done. This is now like hour five of content for the British Open, plus articles, plus cheat sheets, plus everything. All right. Good luck at the British Open. Someone go win a million bucks. If I can't do it and Ben can't do it and Tambo can't do it, please let it be someone out there. And then you send it to me. We might even have you on the show. I mean, what's better? The million bucks are being on the show? I don't know. But if you win the million, you can come on the show. That's what I'm throwing out there to you. All right. I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. Have your experience. Experience.